few minutes to kind of explain the story to you. It's one that I read, I don't know, a year or so ago and kind of stuck in the back of my mind and uh, is going to help us to illustrate Psalms 32 a little bit this morning. I love the Old West and I love reading stories about the Old West. I've been out West many times and just enjoy that culture. Uh, Kind of that ruggedness of that early America. Uh, You kind of have to enjoy that. America's gotten a little soft. I don't know if you realize that, but we have and uh, not as rugged and as pioneering as we used to be. And so I enjoy reading about those who went before us and all that they did to help establish the wonderful country we have. And one of the stories I read, not sure if it's true, but it's a great story either way, was about a father and son who were traveling west across the new frontier. And the dad had made the journey before, but not with his son, and knew that there was an abandoned homestead that they could stop off in and rest a few days and get some, uh, get some water and kind of get refreshed. And so Uh, They made their journey there and stopped off at the old homestead. Uh, The dad told the son that on the other side of the old dilapidated house that was there that there was a well the family that had established the homestead originally had dug and it was good water and he told the son to uh, go find something to draw some water and get them some water to refill their canteens. The story goes that the son came back to the dad frustrated and says, Dad, I found the well that you told me about and it looks like there's water down in there. But the problem is the bucket that was there was sitting on the outside of the well and the bucket is all dried up and cracked and won't hold anything. And kind of began studying up on what that was all about and uh, went to a junk store and bought an old uh, wooden water pail, something that resembles that. I don't know how old it is. I don't think it's very old, but I think it'll suffice this morning. What the son was telling the dad was is the bucket looked pretty good, but because the bucket had been out in the weather and the wind and the heat that the bucket dried out. And these buckets are made out of little slats, and if you can look close, you can see that over time, the slats begin to separate, and after a while, that bucket becomes useless. The bucket was no good to draw out any water. It had been left out in the elements and now had holes in it, and I don't know if you realize this, but a bucket with holes is not very useful in drawing water. So just about as the son was about to toss the bucket away because it was useless to them, the dad says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want you to do something. And the son says, what is that? He says, tie the rope around the handle and lower the rope back down into the well. And so the boy did what his dad said. He didn't understand why, because you weren't going to get any water out of it, because by the time the bucket got back to the surface, the water was going to have all leaked out. But the the son was an obedient kid and said, okay, I'll do what dad said. So he lowered it down and he heard the splash and he began to reel the bucket in. And dad says, no, 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 I want you to leave the bucket in the well a little while. He said, just leave it there and we'll come back later and and check in on it. And the son didn't know exactly what he was talking about, but his dad said, just trust me, son. Just trust me. And so much as, uh, as young people are, they left kind of, the boy left kind of doubtful, but said, hey, we'll see what happens. Next morning they woke up, the dad woke the son up and he says, let's go get some water and the son's thinking to himself, I don't know how we're going to have any water because the bucket that we lowered down in the water is a bucket with holes and by the time it gets to the surface it's going to be all emptied out. They went over and the boy began to crank the handle on the well and cranked it and cranked it and he's looking down there and much to his surprise when the bucket began to make it toward the mouth of the well. The son looked down, and not only did he see the bucket, but he saw a bucket that was full of water. The son was kind of shocked. 
Couldn't believe that this bucket that just a day before had holes in it, and now there's this bucket, and it's coming to the surface, and it's full of water. And boy, he was thirsty. He hadn't drank anything for a little while and got a lot of that trail dust in his throat and wanted to wash it all down. And, and so he began to lap the water up and drink the water up, and they drank till their bellies were full. After a while, he just couldn't figure out how that happened. And that bucket had all the holes in it all of a sudden have no holes in it anymore. And so his curiosity got to him and he asked his dad, he says, Dad, he says, yesterday we put that bucket down there in that well and there were holes in it. Today we reeled that bucket in and there's no holes in it. Could you please explain how that happened? The dad began to tell him that, son, as long as that bucket was left outside of the well, it was exposed to all the elements that were around them, the sun and the wind and that dry western air, and it began to dry out the wood, and when the wood begins to dry out, it begins to get brittle, and it begins to separate at the seams. He says, but when you lower that bucket back down there in the well and you leave it there just a little while, uh, that wood begins to absorb that water again, and when that wood begins to absorb that water, uh, that wood begins to swell up just a little bit, and after a while it swells up to all of the gaps are closed, and now there's a vessel that can be used, there's a vessel that can hold something. There's a vessel that all the water is not going to leak out of. And oh my goodness, does the Holy Spirit ever stir your heart when you're reading something that's not necessarily spiritual? As I read that story, I couldn't help but think about how many times I could draw a comparison in my life. That in times I am where I need to be in the will of God. I know I'm in the right place. I'm where God wants me to do, doing what God would have me to do. And as a vessel, the Bible says in Timothy that I am. I am a vessel that is full. I am a vessel that is full of joy, a vessel that is full of peace, a vessel that is full of courage and boldness for the will of God in my life. And how sweet that is when we're full, amen? And when we're whole and we're holding what God would have us to hold. But then there are times I think we could probably just describe this, that life happens. Could we all agree with that this morning? Life happens. And we get out of place. We're no longer where we need to be. We're out in the world. We're out in the elements of the world. Maybe we get out of church. Or we get out of the word of God. Or we get out of the will of God. Whatever it is, we get out. You could name list after list after list, and we get out of the place where we belong, and next thing you know, we begin to dry out spiritually. And after a while, not only are we dried out, but we, things begin to come apart in our life. We dry out, things begin to come apart, things begin to break loose in our life, and then when things begin to break loose in our life, what happens? Things that we were full of, begin to leak out. We're no longer full of joy, it's leaked out. We're no longer full of peace, it's leaked out. We're no longer full of power, it's all leaked out. Why? Because at some point we got out of the well. At some point we got out of the place where God would have us to be and no longer are we that vessel that was full of joy. Our countenance has become a scowl. Our spirit has become bitter. Our attitude is unkind. We don't have the joy of the Lord anymore, which the Bible says is our strength. You lose your joy, you lose your strength. And after a while, we sit and we are empty and we are dry and we're going through a spiritual drought. We're just barely holding together. I think we could all relate to that in some way this morning. 
What's the only hope? Well, it was what the dad told the son. He says, you got to get that bucket back where it belongs. That bucket belongs down in the well. That bucket doesn't belong outside of the well. That bucket belongs in the well. And you get that bucket back to where it belongs and suddenly the cracks begin to seal up. Suddenly that vessel becomes whole again. Suddenly that vessel becomes something that can tote something around again. That vessel can hold its joy again. That vessel can hold its peace again. But that that vessel has got to get back where it belongs. Now folks, listen to me. I'll be honest with you this morning. I know what a spiritual drought feels like. I know what it's like to not be in the place where you belong. I know what it's like to be out of place. I know what it's like to be out of where God's will is for my life. I know what it's like to be out of the well. And if you're honest this morning, you'll mention, you'll you'll agree with that. And all of us know what it's like to be out of the well and we begin to come apart and all of a sudden our joy begins to leak out. Our faithfulness leaks out. Our obedience begins to leak out. And the next thing you know, you're in a spiritual drought. You're dry and you're empty and you're cold. That's the bad news this morning. I believe the last few years, life hasn't done us any favors, has it? If you wanted a reason to get out of the last three, four years of living on planet Earth, I promise you life has given you plenty of reasons to get out. Think about it this morning. The pandemic gave us a wonderful opportunity to get out of church. The pandemic taught us not to be faithful. And look, listen, you're lying this morning if you didn't say that it sowed that temptation in all of our lives. The pandemic gave us a reason to get out. We look at the world we're living in, the stresses of life. Do you know what it'll do to you? It'll wear you out. All right? The pandemic will get us out of church. The stress of life will wear you out. Some of you are making less than you used to make. And things are costing more than they used to cost. Some of you are going through different uh, phases of life and we have kids growing up in this world and they're having to deal with the temptations of this life and it's going to stress you out before long. And when you're out for too long, what happens is you begin to dry up spiritually and your joy leaks out and your peace leaks out and your power leaks out. And after a while, you're a vessel that's not good for anything because you're out of where you belong and you get back in. Think about the changes in our world. We've all gone through changes in the last few years of our life. Our church has gone through changes, and changes will make you give out. You'll get stressed out, wore out, and you'll want to give out. Now, the danger of that this morning is the longer you're out, after a while, that vessel begins to crumble. That vessel begins to become empty and leaks out. Before you know it, you're not good for anything in the will of God for your life. Now, can I tell you this morning, regardless of what it took to get you out, regardless of what it took to get you where you're at today, I believe this morning there's a lot of God's people and we're still sitting on the outside of the well. We're not where we need to be. We're we're not where we need to be in the will of God for our life and we know it. We're going through a spiritual drought. We're going through a spiritual dry place in our life. I want you to pay close attention to verse 4. I want you to watch what David says. Stick with me this morning, okay? For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. What did David say? David says, I'm dried out. I'm dried out. His joy is gone, his peace, his power. David, the mighty man of God, a man after God's own heart, is a vessel that's unuseful because he's out of place in his life. 
I believe this morning there's a lot of us that are just like David in verse number four. And right now, if we were honest with God, you don't have to be honest with me, okay? I don't count. I'm not your priest. You don't have to confess to me. But if you're honest with God this morning, you'd admit, right now I'm out of service. I'm out of service. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not useful to God. I'm not filled with joy. I'm not filled with anything. Why? It's all leaked out because I've come to this place of spiritual drought in my life. Now, can I tell you the answer is very simple today. I really want to help you with this because this is what helped me today. Are you willing to get back in? Are you willing to get back in? You can't sit there and be out of joy, out of peace, out of power, out of boldness, and be content to be out of the will of God. If you want to be filled and a vessel that God uses again. And oh, can I tell you, I mentioned this a moment ago in my prayer. I'm thankful we serve a God of new beginnings. I'm thankful that when I got saved, all things were passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's what God desires for all of us. You can't go through the last three years and not tell me you haven't gone through a spiritual drought. A dry place in your life where you begin to come apart and things begin to leak out in your life. Oh, I don't like how it feels this morning. You shouldn't like how it feels this morning. You should desire to be filled with all that God desires you to be filled with. But the decision comes when you and I decide, I'm getting back in. I'm tired of being on the outside of the well. I'm getting back in the will of God for my life because I want to be filled again. I want to be used again. I want to have joy again. This morning, I believe what we need to do on the first day of this week, on the first day of this year, is return to God's well. Amen? That's what we're going to preach about for a few minutes, returning to God's well. If you're tired of being empty, tired of being dry, tired of being useless, tired of being broken, I believe this morning God's going to show us exactly how we can be a vessel meet for the master's use again. So let's look at David in Psalms 32. What a story this morning. You need to know the backstory of Psalms 32. Psalms 32 is a chapter that chronologically follows David's Psalms 51 where he confessed his sin before Bathsheba. David sinned with Bathsheba where he committed adultery and murdered her husband. All the great sin that he went through, that was Psalms 51. Chronologically, Psalms 32 is what happens after that. Could we say this morning that David was out I mean, when you do what he did and go where he went and live how he lived, you're not in the will, you're out of the well, and you're out of God's will. And Psalms 32 is David writing the backstory of exactly what happened and how he got back to where he needed to be. Now, undoubtedly, would you say this morning, this was one of the most trying times in David's life. Most trying times in David's life. So how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us, 1 Kings 15, that David did right in the eyes of the Lord and everything except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. The Bible says that God's record of David was good and was pure other than the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Undoubtedly, this was the greatest battle that David ever went through spiritually. You think Goliath was the greatest battle? No, this was a spiritual battle. And I promise you, the spiritual battles you and I have faced over the last little while of our world being in turmoil is greater than any giant you will ever face. Now here's David saying during this battle in verse 4, my moisture turned into the drought of summer. Now David's about to show us the steps that we need to get to in order to get back in God's well. Now verse 4, he says, my moisture has turned into the drought of summer, Selah. Now what is he doing? Number one, watch this, very simple today. He recognized his condition. He recognized his condition. Now, folks, you're probably thinking this morning, well, look, if you can't recognize your condition, you're blind as a bat. It's not that we don't recognize it, it's we don't want to. 
None of us want to admit that we are now today something lesser than we were yesterday. I don't. I always want to be getting better and smarter and stronger. The only thing, the only thing bigger about me is my belly sometimes. That's the only areas I grow in my life sometimes. I don't want to admit where I've come short. I don't want to admit where I've backslid. But can I tell you, if you're going to get back in the well, you've got to recognize your condition. Watch what David says, verse 4. For day and night, my hand, your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture turned into the drought of summer. Now, you've got to see this. David notices he's lost something he had. Is that what he says? I used to have what? Moisture. David says, I used to be vibrant and full of life. David says, I used to have something, and I don't have it anymore. Can I tell you, the first step to getting back in God's well is realizing you've lost something you had. Now, folks, I want to tell you, if you can't take this step, you're destined to be a busted bucket, unuseful in the will of God. You'll never be filled with joy. You'll never have power and peace. But, oh, you could this morning. You could smile again. So what are you talking about? Gas is $3 a gallon and all these things cost more and the world's falling apart and all. Hey, does it matter? Your joy shouldn't be contingent upon your circumstances. Hey, that's why the Bible says it's the joy of the Lord, not the joy of the gas pump. All right? My joy is not based on the gas pump. You say, well, if you just knew what my neighbor said about me and you just knew what I was, it doesn't matter. Your joy shouldn't be based on your neighbor. Your joy should be based on the Lord. The Lord hasn't gone anywhere. The Lord hasn't changed. The problem is we've changed. And I've changed. And boy, that's hard to own up to, isn't it? To admit that I'm not what I used to be. David says, my moisture has turned to drought. Now, I want you to think about who we're talking about here. All right? We're not talking about your average church member. And no offense if you're an average church member. He said, well, who's an average church member? I'll let you figure that out, okay? And you can tell them, because I'm not either. We're not talking about an average church member here. We're talking about David, a man after God's own heart. So what is David thinking about? David is thinking about where he's at, and he's thinking about where he was. Well, where was he? You have to think that as David is sitting here as a busted bucket, empty and dry, you have to think the time he faced Goliath popped in his mind. The time in his life that he had victory. David sits here defeated. Sin has brought the man after God's own heart down to rubble. And now he sits defeated. I'm sure he looked back. And he remembered the day that he sat there and he twirled that sling and dropped the giant, took the big old sword and chopped off his head. And he says, I sit here defeated and I remember the victory that I used to have. How about you this morning? Do you sit this morning with victory or defeat? If you're going through a drought this morning, you may be just like me in times in my life. You may realize, you know what, I'm sitting here. I used to have victory in my life. Hey, maybe this morning. Remember what the Bible says that after he killed Goliath? The Bible says that they sang songs about him. You know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. I wonder if those songs begin to echo in his mind. Man, I remember the day that I had victory in my life. I remember when God used me. There's no doubt God's hand was on him. Remember the victory he gave him over the lion? I'm just telling you, if I'd have been David, that lion's head would have been in my office. And the bear's head would have been too. I mean, trophies up on the wall. I killed the lion and the bear and the giant. And the Bible says it was because of the Lord. David knew God's hand was on him. 
Now he looks and God's hands off of him and he's sitting in defeat. Can I ask you this morning, can you look back and see when God's hand was on your life? God's blessings and power were on your life and now it's hard to find God when you bow down to pray. You wonder if he's even listening. God, do you hear what I'm saying? God, I'm crying out to you. What's happened? I'm afraid that many of us this morning have gone through a drought and things begin to come apart and suddenly we begin to leak out of all that we had. Our victory's gone. The hand of God is gone. What was another name for David? The Bible tells us he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. I'll bet you David wasn't singing in Psalms 32. Psalms 51. What happened? He got out, he dried up, he came apart, and leaked out. Can I ask you this morning, have you sung a song lately? You remember when you were excited about being saved, whistled a little tune? I've heard some of you, some of you make a joyful noise. You couldn't carry a tune in a busted bucket. But some of you, boy, I hear you whistling down the hallway, Danny McNair. That guy used to whistle all up and down the hallways. You never had to wonder where Brother Danny was. You just listened for the whistle. He'd be whistling up and down the hallways. There was something in here that came out the whistle. Can I ask you, how's your song doing? How's your song doing? Man, have you told anybody about the Lord lately? Something just bubbles up on the inside of you. Look, maybe this morning you need to take this first step. Recognize your condition. I lost something I had. David says, verse 4, watch, my moisture that he had is turned into the drought of summer. Look, it's hard to end a dry spell if you don't realize you're in one. <laughs> it's hard to end a drought in your life if you're not willing to admit, I'm in a drought in my life. I'm in a dry place in my life. I'm coming apart at the seams and everything is leaked out. Look, the first step to getting filled again is to recognize your condition and realize I've lost something I had. I don't have the joy, the victory, the hand of God. I don't have the song that I used to have. Isn't that what Elijah did under the juniper tree? Aren't you glad when you see other great Christians go through droughts? I know that's horrible, but as a human, it makes me feel better. Well, Elijah went through a drought. What did he say? The Bible says, 1 Kings 19, Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. How did he get to this drought? Well, one moment in chapter 18, uh, he has victory. The next moment in chapter 19, he's running from Jezebel. Man, he's in a drought. What was he doing? He says, man, today I'm scared to death. Yesterday I had victory. What was he doing? He was recognizing I lost something I had. Can I tell you, if you want to get back in God's well, to where you can be a vessel unto honor, filled with the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, and the power of God in your life. The first step just begins with you saying, you know what? I recognize my condition. I've lost something I had. It's quite interesting. In Psalms 51, we have the very famous statement by David. Restore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. What was he saying? If you restore something... You're getting back something you lost. Can I tell you? You need to start in Psalms 51 before you go to 32. You need to get to the place to realize, I've lost something. I don't have what I have. I'll tell you there are times in my life, and I hate it, but the Holy Spirit will point to a past me where his hand was there. His joy was there. His victory was there. His power was there. He'll say, you ain't him. Man, that hurts. 
Well, the Holy Spirit knows how to get your attention, doesn't he? But I'm so thankful that God shows me that. Why? Because he wants me to be a vessel unto honor again. Romans 15 kind of gives us an idea of what God wants for you. Verse 13, you ought to read this when you get home. The Bible says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What a minute. He says he wants us to be filled. All right? God just doesn't want us to have a blip on the radar of happiness. Uh, well, I went to the, the store today, and, you know, they had a buy one, get one free sale on Little Debbie's. That was a good point of my day. Oh, hey, if you get one, great. But can I tell you something this morning? You can have joy all the time. Even when Little Debbie's are not on sale, you can have joy all the time. Why? Because the God of hope wants you to be filled with it. But watch this. He can't fill you with it if you're a busted bucket because you've been out of the will of God too long. You've dried up. You've come apart. And things leak out. God says, I want to fill you up with joy and with peace and believing. He says, right now, you're in no condition to be filled. Can you look at your life this morning? Would you be willing to look at your life this morning and say, I've lost something I had? Lost something I had. I'm going to be extremely transparent with you this morning. The other day, I was looking through my desk. I have to clean it out every once in a while because I just hoard junk sometimes. And my wife comes in and helps me with that. And I ran across, when I came here in view of a call, I ran across a little booklet uh, that had all the questions they had interrogated me about and uh, put them in a little booklet here. And on the back of it, I saw the picture of me and my wife and my daughter. This picture taken, obviously, I think early 2019, maybe late 2018. And I'll be honest with you, boy, it's been a long three years. It's been a long three years. I'm talking about in the world. Everything's just been, it's been different. And I remember looking at that picture. I think I told my dad. My dad was in my office that day. I said, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I want you to know that's hard to say. I'm not that guy. But I want to be that guy again. What's happened? Man, you, you go through all the stuff in this world and this turmoil and all the confusion and all this stuff. And you're thinking, Lord, have mercy. And after a while, the elements begin to pull the moisture out of you. After a while, you begin to come apart and you begin to leak out. And after a while, you've lost what you had. And boy, if you want to get it back, you better recognize your condition. That's the first step this morning. I remember when I was a rookie at Christmas trees. But Sheriff, Miss Sheriff, man, our tree this year was the best we've ever had. Man, it held all the ornaments, had all the lights. It stayed green the whole time. We were taking it down last night. I told my wife, it's kind of a shame you have to take it down. Just leave it up. Why don't we put some Valentine's ornaments on there and Fourth of July ornaments on there and, you know, Thanksgiving ornaments on there and just reuse it. It was that pretty of a tree. But my, my rookie year as a husband with Christmas trees, man, we need to put that in pre-marriage counseling, how to handle a Christmas tree. I didn't know what I was doing. Got a Christmas tree, put it in the living room, filled it up with water and thought to myself, man, that'll last a while. You know, I put like a half a gallon in there. I mean, surely that dead tree is not going to drink a half a gallon of water. Well, a few weeks into it, we go over the tree to put a package under, and you bump the tree, and stuff starts falling on the ground. Like, our tree is shedding, (laughs) kind of like my head, you know, pieces just fall off here or there, and we got ready to take the tree out on Christmas, uh, after Christmas, took all the ornaments off, took all the lights off, and when I moved the tree, I'm not kidding, half of the little little, little fronds on whatever they are just hit the floor. My wife was falling behind with a vacuum, the vacuum was bogging down, trying to vacuum all up. You know, all those things falling off, they were evident of something. They were evidence I didn't keep that tree filled. 
And boy, I learned my lesson, and now every year on that Christmas tree, it's my job. Every morning I go in there and I climb underneath. But Jim, I even rigged up a really cool thing. I even got a really long auto funnel. Hide it on the backside of the tree, put the auto funnel down in there, and that way you don't have to bend over to fill it up. Yeah, you might as well go patent that as long as you give me some credit for it. You see, I didn't keep it filled, and after a while, things begin to fall off, begin to die and begin to dry out. I wonder if your life's like my Christmas tree. You know, I kept it filled, and now all of a sudden it begins to dry out. It's amazing. David was so clueless as to his condition, God had to send Nathan to jog his mind. David, you don't realize, David, look at yourself. You're not who you used to be, the man after God's own heart. And finally, David confronted his sin. Number one this morning, folks, if you want to get back in God's well, you need to recognize your condition. But then watch this. You keep on reading. He says in verse number five, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. I acknowledged my sin. Now, the second point is going to be the toughest one, okay? So stick with me on it. This is critical if you're going to get back in God's well. David's not in verse 5 just acknowledging that he went through a drought. He's acknowledging why he went through the drought. This is very important. David says, I'm not what I was, and I acknowledge that I have me to blame. Notice what he says, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin. Do you know what he's doing? Number one. He recognized his condition. Number two, he was willing to make a confession. He's willing to make a confession. Now, this is important. You know the natural temptation when you acknowledge that you're going through a tough spot in your life? Do you know what our natural inclination is and a temptation is? To defer responsibility. Now, that is if you're human. If you're a cyborg or a robot or whatever they have on these video games today, if you're one of them, maybe not. But if you're a human and you go through a tough spot, a difficult place in your life, can I tell you the natural temptation is to find somebody else to blame for why you are who you are. But watch what David does. David says, I acknowledge my sin. Oftentimes we get to the place where we accept that we are broken, but we don't want to accept any of the blame. True. We, we admit that, hey, I'm in this tough spot and I know I have a bad spirit and I know that I've gotten out of the will of God, but let me tell you why I'm in the place that I'm in. Oh, my goodness, the temptation's great, isn't it? Good thing is you get it honest. And I get it honest from our ancestors, Adam and Eve. What did Eve do? It's a snake or the serpent. Don't correct me after the service, okay? I know it probably wasn't a snake. Komodo dragon or something, but it was a serpent. She says, it's his fault, I know that I messed up, and I know that we did wrong, but it's that lousy old serpent. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> what did Adam do? It's that lousy old woman. That's what he did. No to self, man. Don't do that. All right? You better just eat it. What did they do? They, had, look, they didn't have a problem admitting they were broken. They didn't have a problem admitting they were empty and dry. They didn't have a problem with that. But what they said was, look, I know that I'm broken, but it's them that we have to blame. You know, David could have easily said this. You know, Lord, this was during the time of battle, the Bible says. Kings go forth to battle. Lord, you know, look, I've been fighting my whole life. I've been running from Saul. I mean, I started off fighting lions and bears and then giants. And then the next thing you know, I'm running from Saul. I've been fighting my whole life, God. God, I just thought that I needed to break from the battlefield. David could have blamed the battle, but he didn't. David could have said, 
Well, she hadn't been up on her roof bathing, I would have never seen her. I mean, he had a hard time selling that one. He could have blamed the battle. He could have blamed Bathsheba. But finally, he says, you know what? I'm tired of being a busted bucket that's empty and dry. And I want to get back in the will of God where I can be filled again and have that joy restored to my life. And so, God, I confess. It's me. It's me. Ooh, can I tell you this morning, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. The truth, David was going through a drought because he got out of the well. He got out of the well. Can I tell you, no matter what reason, you got out of the well. You got out of the well. Greater seed is in you than he was in the world. Nobody can force you out of the well. Nobody can force you out of the place where God would have you to be. If we're out of the well this morning and we're a busted bucket that's dry and empty and useless before God, look, as tough as it is to swallow, it's because of me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. And oh, when you get to the place to realize nobody took your joy. Nobody took your joy. There's nobody powerful enough on planet earth to take your joy. Nobody can take your power. Nobody can take your peace. But we lose it and we forfeit it when we get out of place and we come apart and it begins to leak out of our life. That's where your joy went. You're thinking, well, man, my neighbor is such a jerk. And my neighbor is always, look, I mean, he rolls my yard and eggs my windows and pops my tires. And if I didn't have that neighbor, I'd have some joy. It's not your neighbor's fault. It's me. You know, this morning you, you think about it. The Bible says that David made his mistake, 2 Samuel chapter 11. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Watch closely, if you will. 2 Samuel 11, 1, the Bible says this. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Watch. Where was he supposed to be? In the battle. That's where he was supposed to be when kings go forth to battle. That's where he was supposed to be. But the Bible says David tarried. Joab didn't say, hey, you go home, take it easy. I'll handle it from here. The Bible says David tarried. That means David made the decision to get out. That's when we mess up. The first step that any person goes from being a filled, useful vessel in the hand of God to being a busted bucket that's empty and dry. The first step is when you start deciding to sit out on the will of God. You know what God said, and you decide to sit it out. I know, God, your word says this, and I know what your will is for my life, but I'm just going to sit this one out. You just got out of the well. And one day you're going to blame everybody under the sun uh, because you're an empty, broken, dry, useless vessel. But the truth is you're in the shape you're in oftentimes, listen, because we got out. We're the ones who set out the will of God. We knew what thus saith the Lord. I tell you all the time. I hear it just about every day. I know, but. We're going to make that an English word before it's all said and done. If ain't became a word, I know, but. It's going to be a word before too long. I promise. I know, but. I know, but. I know, but. No, no, no. Listen. But nothing. But nothing. If you want your joy and your power and your peace, you've got to decide, I'm going to stay in the well. I don't care if I'd stay in the well by myself. I'm staying in the well. Why? Because I want my joy. I want my peace. What's David doing? Number two, he's willing to make a confession. 
And I believe this morning the reason many of us have dried up. Now look, I'm saying us this morning, all right? I'm not preaching at you. I'm telling you something I've learned from myself. The reason we get dried out and we begin to come apart and things begin to leak out is because we choose to sit out on the will of God. We knew what it was. Probably starts with something simple. You set out on your prayer time this morning. You set it out. I want to sit this one out. You know, New Year, I was up late last night popping fireworks, drinking ginger ale. Amen. I looked at some of you. You look scared for a minute. We have an invitation in just a minute. You can get that right. Maybe you say, you know, I'm just tired this morning. I feel like getting up and praying. You set out your, some prayer time. You're going to sit out your Bible reading. At the end of the service today, back there in the back, our ushers are going to have all of the, uh, uh, the Bible reading calendars. I want everybody to get one, all right? Everybody get one. Don't sit out on reading the Word of God this year. But you set out your prayer time. You set out on reading your Bible. Or maybe you started sitting out on Wednesday night, sitting out on Sunday school. Can I tell you, you're slowly getting out of the well. You're slowly starting to dry out. And after a while, things are beginning to come apart. Then after a while, your joy leaks out. And your power leaks out. And your courage leaks out. And after a while, you're just a, a miserable, empty bucket that God can't use until you decide to get back in. I want you to think about Jonah this morning. Jonah is not necessarily a picture of what I would call Christian joy. I would look at Jonah down there in the belly of the well and say that he was kind of miserable. I mean, he's down there. I mean, no telling what it smelled like down there. It's dark. It's creepy. He had no idea where he was going. Do you know why Jonah was in the mess he was in? He set out on the word of God. God says, arise, go to Nineveh. He knew what God said. He said, no, I won't set this one out. Don't sit out on the word of God this year. Think about Israel wandering around in the wilderness. Do you know what the wilderness is? It's a desert. It's a drought. They wandered in this desert. Why? Because they set out on God's will. They knew what God wanted. God said, go to the promised land. He spelled it out for them. They said, ah, we're going to sit this one out. I know you said go in there and take them, but they're like grasshoppers and they're giants. We can't take them. So they set out on God's will. After a while, we see churches all over this country. Well, I talk to pastors every week all over America. More churches are shriveling up. They're drying out. They're coming apart. They're leaking out. You know why? People start sitting out services, sitting out on God's word, sitting out on God's will. And after a while, this is really just epitomizes the average church in America today. Empty and useless before God. Now, folks, hear me out. Look, if you've gone through something in your life, difficult time, I know we all have, okay? It's easy to blame our circumstances. It's easy. Well, I have an excuse to be bitter and aggravated and mad and have a bad attitude. Why? Because of my circumstances. Can I tell you something this morning? Being filled is not determined by what you face. Let that sink in. Being filled with joy is not determined by what you face. You decide, you know what? I'm not going to let my circumstances take my joy. I'm not going to let my circumstances take my peace. Why? Because my God wants me to be filled with that. No greater example than that. I was reading this morning in Acts chapter 6 and 7 about the life of Stephen. Stephen is moments from dying, okay? He's moments from being executed. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it for you, okay? If you want to turn there with me, you can. If not, I'll read it for you. All right? I'm just that kind of guy. I don't mind doing it for you. Acts chapter number 6. Let me read something for you right quick. So here's Stephen. He's preaching this message. And boy, he's preaching it with fervor. Let me give you, let me give you verse 15. I want you to listen. As he's preaching and people are scowling and people are mad, the Bible says, and all that said in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Yes. I got to be honest. You probably already thought it, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and say it. Man, I get so aggravated sometimes when I look out from this pulpit. It's like I'm preaching to a bunch of brick walls. 
Mount Rushmore's. Just unmovable, unexcited. I mean, this is God's word. You don't have to get excited about me, okay? Get excited about God's word. And then I look here at Stephen. He's preaching and, and people didn't like it. He had, what does the Bible say? He had the face of an angel. I'm like, all right, all right, Lord, I get it. No matter what they look like, I still need to be excited about it. Why? Because my joy shouldn't be based on you. Amen? Hey, my contentment and my composure and my countenance should not be based on you. So here he is. Watch this. So if anybody had a reason to have a bad attitude, it was Stephen. And yet the Bible says he had the face of an angel. Go to chapter 7, verse number 51. Watch what he does. He knows they don't like what he's saying, but watch what he does. He says in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. (laughs) Watch this. Number one, think about this this morning. As Stephen is up there preaching, his countenance wasn't affected by the crowd, nor was his courage. He just gets up there and says, you're stiff-necked. Wow. I mean, he's full of power. Even though his circumstances said, hey, we don't like what you're saying, it didn't change his countenance, nor did it change his courage. Keep reading down to verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost didn't change his conviction. What they had to think about what he was saying didn't change what he had on the inside. He's like, well, they don't like what I'm saying, so therefore I'm going to quit. No, watch what he did. The Bible says he was still full of the Holy Ghost. Nothing leaked out. Nothing changed. His countenance didn't change. His courage nor his conviction. I'll give you one more just as a bonus. Amen. It's the first day of the year, so let's have a bonus one. Look down, verse 60. The Bible says, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Say what? The people that are beating his brains out and who just literally bit him. All right, you got to really not like somebody to bite them. I have never been bitten before by a person, been by a dog, but not by a person. And yet, what did he do? He says, Lord, forgive them. Amen. His compassion wasn't affected. Wow. His countenance, his courage, his conviction, his compassion, it was not affected by his circumstances. Can I tell you? There's no reason this morning that we can't be filled. If we're not filled, it's because we're choosing it. It's us. David says, I acknowledge my sin. He was making a confession. I'll tell you this, if you truly desire to get back in God's well, you realize it's not about circumstances, it's about self. The reason this morning that I've been a broken, empty bucket at times, it's not because of my circumstances, it's because of myself. Do you remember when the prodigal son got on the road to becoming who he used to be? Watch this. What did he say? He says, I used to have enough and more in my father's house. He was comparing what he was and what he is. Now he's getting ready to get back on the road to becoming who he was again. And so the Bible says he came to himself. Now this is good. This is good. Watch this. Oftentimes we want to come to other people. You're my problem. Hey, you're my problem. You're why I don't have any joy in my life. You're why I don't have any peace in my life. No, the truth is we don't need to come to them. We need to come to self. I acknowledge my sin. I am an empty, dried out, useless, busted bucket, unuseful in the will of God. And I have myself to blame because I chose to be who I am. It's a confession. All right, you didn't get too excited on that one. So we'll move on to number three. (laughs) If you notice at the end of verse number four, into verse 5 and into verse 7, you see the word Selah. A lot of interpretations for that. J. Vernon McGee puts it this way. 
He said, Sila means to stop, look, and listen. Why don't you just pause there for a minute? Stop, look, and listen. Can I tell you, it changed our lives here in just a few minutes when the invitation is had. If we just stopped, looked, and listened for a few minutes. That we acknowledge our condition. And then finally, we get to the place where we're willing to confess. But then notice this. We're going to hurry. They get shorter as we go along, okay? Notice before he made his confession in verse number 5, there was something he had to do in verse 3. This is important. The first few words of verse 3 says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Notice he's saying, I didn't have peace in my life. When was it that he didn't have peace? When I kept silence. This is important, folks. David concluded was where he was, but now the third step is he has to deal with that. This is number three. He had to face the conflict. He had to face the conflict. Do you know this morning that realizing where you're at and then being motivated to do something about it are two totally different things? I realize where I'm at all the time. I was at the doctor the other day. They said, Mr. Andrews, would you get on the scale? I got on the scale. I looked down there at the digital numbers there. I realized where I'm at. Don't laugh, Brother Richard. That's not funny. It wasn't funny when that number popped up. I think their scale's wrong. See, defer responsibility. It's the scale. That's what it was. I knew where I was at. That was not the hard part. That was the easy part. I know where I'm at. <clears throat> the hard part is the sign I'm going to do something about that. Now, here's what's sad. Most of us know we're in a drought. We know at the very least we're not what we used to be. And some things have leaked out. And we're going to stay that way. Can I tell you why? Because we're going to keep silent. We're going to keep silent. We know we're not what we need to be. We acknowledge that as he did in verse number five. But before verse 5, there was verse 3 where he realized, you know what? If I keep silent about it, nothing's ever going to change. I believe this morning all over America, churches are filled with busted buckets. They're too prideful to cry out to God and confess their condition. Churches all over this country full of busted buckets, unuseful to God, empty of joy, empty of peace, empty of power. Why? Because we want to keep silent. I, people can't know that I'm not what I used to be and what I should be. Can I give you a little bit of secret? Most likely they're not either. Matter of fact, usually the only ones who are filled and have that joy and that peace and power in their life are the ones who have already come to grips and decided to break their silence. And come down to an old-fashioned altar and say, cry out to God and say, God, I'm not what I was, but I so long to be that again. God, I, I want to be whole. God says, get in. Get back in the well. That's the answer. You can't stay outside the well and pretend to be something you're not. If the joy and the peace and the power is not there, then it's all leaked out. We're not what we need to be. And we need to face the conflict that, you know what, it's time for me to speak up. Time for me to say, you know what? I'm not what I need to be. Notice what he said. When I keep silence, my bones waxed old. You know, times in my life where I was empty, oh, I was miserable. I was miserable. What did he say? My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Something you can't get out of your mind. You can't get off your heart. You're just not what you're supposed to be. And yet, you know what? You're going to keep silence about it. Somebody said once, and I've heard it many times, and oh, it's true, 
Sometimes you got to come apart before you come apart. You know why this bucket is useless? It's coming apart. Why? Because at some point it didn't come apart and get back where it needed to be. I don't know what you have planned after the service today, but I'll promise you it'd be a blessing to your life if you canceled all of your plans to make sure that you're where you need to be. I'm going to get back in God's will. Why? Because I don't want to come apart, so I'm willing to come apart. Last night in our family devotions, we read Proverbs 31. Verse 8, the Bible says, Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. The Bible says that I open my mouth. And I told Miley and Leslie last night, we were looking at this. That means, you know why? Once we know, we have to speak up. When you know something and you know there's a need, you have to speak up or it did no good. You may know this morning that you're empty and you're in a drought and you're unusable before God, but it does no good if you don't tell God about that. The good news is the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? Man, it means I'm getting back in the well. I'm going to be used of God again. I'm going to have joy and peace in my life again. Why? Because God says I can. And boy, nothing can keep us from it this morning. I believe we get to a place in our life. Everybody wants to be used, right? I don't think you could be. Look, I hope this morning, I don't think you'd be here in church and not have a desire to be used of God. I want to be a vessel. I want to be a vessel. You know what? I want to be a vessel filled with joy that I can give people other joy and a vessel full of power and, and peace in my life. I want to be a vessel used of God. Hey, can I tell you, there are requirements for being a vessel that are used of God. What does the Bible say? 2 Timothy 2, great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. The man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. You see, you have a say in whether or not your vessel gets used. And if we're both broken and, and busted and dry and empty, I don't believe God can use us. We're not going to carry much the will of God for our lives. So notice he had to face the conflict. What was the conflict? You know what? I've got to break my silence. Not what I need to be. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to own up to it. Finally, and this is in way of imitation, I want you to notice it ends on a high note. You look down, the Bible says in verse 7, Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Do you know what being in that well does for that bucket? It preserves it. You get where you belong and you get where God would have you to be. You're in the place now where you're going to be preserved and useful before God. That's number four, and we'll close with this one. Notice David rejoices in the conclusion. He's so thankful because he knows what it's like to be empty and to go through the drought where his moisture was turned into desert. And he says, oh, but can I tell you, you get back in the well. You know what happens? The first, verse of, first word of verse one and two, blessed blessed. David said, it's a blessed place to be when you get back in. Oh, it's a tough, miserable place when you're outside of the well and you begin to crack up and come apart and all of your joy begins to leak out. Oh, it's misery. And if you've been there, you know it. He says, but oh, it's blessed when you get back where you're supposed to be and your sins have been blotted. What did he say? Verse 1, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. What does it say? The Lord imputeth not iniquity in whose spirit there is no guile. He said it's a blessed place to be when you get back in. Here's my question to you this morning. I'm not going to ask you, are you in a drought? 
not going to ask you if you've gone through one. I'm just going to assume that you have. But as we start this new year, the first day of the year, the first day of the week, what a wonderful time to get back in. What a wonderful time to get back in. I wouldn't begin 2023 the way I ended 2022. Dry, empty, broken, useless. I don't know about you, I want to be filled this year. I want to be filled with joy. If Stephen could be filled with the Spirit in spite of his circumstances, so can I. If Stephen can have a countenance of an angel in spite of his circumstances, so can I. If Stephen could still have compassion in spite of his circumstances, then so can I. Here's the question, why don't we? Why don't we? Well, because we're out of the well. We're not where we belong. And that's why this morning we're empty. John 15, the Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. May be full. Don't you want to be filled again? Joy, peace, power, boldness, courage. Don't you want to be filled with everything God said you could be filled with, that you'd be a vessel that God could use? Where does it begin? Well, would you acknowledge your condition? Not what I was. Would you be willing to make a confession? You know, I, it's not anybody else's fault. It's me. It's, it's me. And then would you follow up? You know, would you have the courage to go before God and say, God, I'm not going to keep silent anymore. God, I know what my problem is, and I know what my need is, and I'm coming before you, and I, I confess that before you. I'm acknowledging that before you. I'm going to confess that before God. I'm not going to keep silent anymore. Then you get to the place where you finally get to enjoy that conclusion of being blessed again, of being restored again and being made whole. Question this morning, have you lost something you had? Have you lost something you had? Have you drifted from somewhere you were? Are you missing something that God wants you to have? You can have it today, but the question is, are you willing to get back in? Central Baptist Church, 2023, if the Lord gives us a whole year, let's let it be a year where we're filled. God wants to fill us. Joy, peace, power, courage, boldness, whatever it is. God wants to fill us. The question is, will you get back in? And I believe that's what God would have us to do today by way of invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.